2: Please keep us in mind when you're about to shop at Amazon. Start at pwtorch.com slash Amazon. That's pwtorch.com slash Amazon. Click on the Amazon logo on that page, and it takes you right to the Amazon homepage. But that two-second detour... By starting at pwtorch.com slash Amazon means we get a commission on whatever you buy on that shopping trip. So every single time you're going to shop at Amazon, don't type in A-M-A-Z. Stop right there and go to pwtorch.com slash Amazon. Thank you so much for your support. Thank you for downloading the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Show. Don't forget you can get these shows with the ads and plugs and commercials all edited out on our special VIP audio feed with a VIP membership. That applies to all four shows that I host during the week, the Wade Keller post shows and podcasts later in the week. And also, all seven PW Torch livecasts, plus all of our VIP exclusive shows throughout the month. There's about a hundred of them. I host about twelve per week that are VIP exclusive. The Wade Keller Pro-Sync podcast, post pay per view roundtables, the Bruce Mitchell Audio Show, and the Fix with Todd Martin. We got a bunch of other great content. Check out full details at pwtorchvipinfo.com. That's pwtorchvipinfo.com. Yes, all the VIP podcasts, including the ad free versions of this show, are compatible with popular podcast apps on both iPhone and Android. You can also stream the shows right from our ad-free VIP website, which is mobile-friendly and desktop-friendly. So check out details if you want to support us and get these shows ad-free and a ton of other VIP-exclusive podcasts. That's pwtorchvipinfo.com for more details. We've got a mobile-friendly sign-up form. You can be VIP in about two minutes. Go for it, pwtorchvipinfo.com.
3: Now, PW Torch brings you the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Show. It's time to talk this week's WWE SmackDown Live.
2: So Jason, how do you think fans are feeling about Becky Lynch and Charlotte after what I thought was a a, a well-executed and noteworthy closing segment on SmackDown tonight? Is Becky... Taking steps towards turning fans against her. Is that even WWE's goal? How is Charlotte faring? A lot of talking points coming out of this. I'm curious for your thoughts. I think Becky
1: Lynch is the hottest thing in WWE right now. And I think literally, and I hope I'm saying that word correctly, Wade, (laughs) and I'm using it correctly, but I think she is the hottest thing in WWE right now. I think coming into this feud... The writers thought that they would be able to turn Becky Lynch heel, but it's not going to happen. The fans are behind her. They feel justified. Well, they feel like Becky is justified in her actions towards Charlotte. And I think what they're doing right now is they're saying, look, we're gonna have the fans pick and choose here. We're gonna have them pick who they want to cheer. We're gonna play it down the line. We're gonna continue giving Becky this attitude. And we're going to take a wait-and-see approach. That's what I think they're doing right now. Before, they would have thought we'll be able to turn Becky heel. It's a challenge for her, but we think we'll be able to do it. Right now, I think they're throwing their hands in the air. And whichever way it goes, whichever way it goes.
2: I, I think they're still presenting Becky within the traditional framework as a heel. I think in the back of their mind, they want what you just said to be their escape hatch if it doesn't work which is, ah, we're fine with it. We let the fans decide. But if you listen to the commentary, the commentary was pretty strong towards uh, Charlotte being the sympathetic figure. And so when I see that, or when I hear that, I think their goal still is for Becky to be the heel. Um, I heard in the commentary, uh, the, the Corey Graves taking Becky's side, what good is it to be on top of the mountain if you can't look down at other people? And Saxton and and Phillips, um, you know, uh, being more uh, sympathetic to Charlotte. So I still think that's that's where they're headed. I think so.
1: But I also think that they know they've stumbled across something here. Becky is a hot character. She has a bit of attitude behind her. And I think they feel that if they try now to almost turn it around and make her – even more sympathetic in a way and get behind her that she's going to lose some of that edge I think they feel they're in a bit of a delicate situation so they're going to continue on with the course that they want and present Becky as a heel but if she's getting cheered and the fans are behind this new attitude which they are because ultimately they feel that Becky is justified and forget about all the things that she's doing badly and she's let her morals slide and whatnot. for fans they feel that she's justified in whatever action she takes So they're going to continue on this path, and I think they are going to leave their options open. But most importantly, they want Becky to maintain that edge, have that bit of an attitude, because they realize that she is the hottest character in WWE right now.
2: Yeah, I I do think she's hot right now. Um, I'm not sure if you used the term literally correctly. Um, I heard something earlier tonight. Somebody said they literally are spineless, and I didn't know the context, and I thought they were talking about... Like a birth a defect or something. And no, he just meant figuratively spineless, somebody who is, who is a coward. Um, so I think, you, I think, uh, depending on how broad our definition of hottest is, I think you're not saying it correctly. But if we broaden the term hotness, hot, then you are fine. So anyway, that's my. <laughs> hey, Wait, don't don't let grammar get in the way of a good saying. Well, right? you brought it up. So. I know I know you're
1: very strict on your grammar though, so I know that I'm I'm, I'm really towing the line here. So I realise I'm in hot water. We're only two minutes in, but um, hopefully you'll let me slide.
2: I am only I am only uh, strict on grammar when I know the rule, and I think it doesn't matter when I screw up and uh, and get it wrong. Let's, let's set the table early here. I'm Wade Keller. This is the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Show for Tuesday, September 18th, 2018, immediately following WWE SmackDown, the Hell in a Cell fallout, and the Super Showdown hype, which uh, came into focus on uh, tonight's show. So what better time to have as my guest co-host, but the return of Jason Australia from Australia. Uh, Jason, welcome back to the show.
1: It's just ironic that my last name happens to be Australia, and I'm from (laughs) Australia. I mean, what are the odds?
2: It is. It's crazy. It's like Rich Fan. What are the odds he's a fan of wrestling, and his last name is Fan? Oh, wait. That is his given name. Two Ns. Ah, Uh, Very good,
1: Wade. Hey, and I just want to say before we start, uh, Wade, first, and I mean this sincerely, I want to thank you for the opportunity to be on today's show, to come back, to have the opportunity to speak to all the listeners and i'm looking forward to the opportunity to fly over melbourne to watch daniel bryan and the Miz fight for the opportunity to take on the future wwe champion and have that opportunity to win the championship because as we know it's all about opportunities
2: it is about opportunities and we have an opportunity for our listeners jason as you may know to give us a call our phone number right now if you're listening to us live at about 10.10 uh, 10 Eastern. What, t- what time is it in Australia right now, Jason, where you are? Well, I'm in Perth. I'm on the
1: West Coast. It is 10 past 10 in the morning.
2: Wow. Okay. So uh, a 12-hour time difference uh, AM, PM. Just switch them out if you're on the East Coast of the United States compared to Perth. Now, wh- wh- by the way, why is the R in Perth pronunciated, but Melbourne, the R is silent?
1: No idea. That's a good question. Well, it's like, it's like Brisbane. Why is it not pronounced oh. Brisbane? It should be pronounced Brisbane. B-R-I-S-B-A-N-E. Yeah. yeah. It's a good point. No, I can see why you'd ask that. It's not a stupid question. Fair enough. I have to say, what Big E and Xavier Woods are wearing, I mean, that is exactly how all Australians dress. We all dress like that in that sort of type of whatever color you would call that type of outfit. I'm currently dressed like that. I've got binoculars around my neck. I am wearing that hat. I nailed it perfectly.
2: That's great. All right, so give us a call everybody if you're listening to us live. 347-215-8558. We got a lot to talk about on today's show. AJ Styles Samoa Joe fallout, is it karma that cost Joe the championship? We'll uh get into that. We'll get into uh a couple perhaps nitpicky production points if I if I uh if I get to them on the show that irked me a little bit and uh some uh, some good wrestling we had Aiden English, uh, apparent, well, breaking up with Rusev uh, officially, finally. Uh, I, yeah. I hope they don't reunite them next week in some weird, completely unnecessary twist So, anyway, um, much more than that to talk about. So, um, you can call us live, or as always, you can email us Wade Keller Podcast at pwtorch.com. Now, tomorrow uh, on the Thursday flagship, it is Jason Powell from progressing.net joining me. Every three weeks, he is the co-host of The Flagship, and we will do a mailbag segment. So send your questions about all things pro wrestling. ROH, All In, Uh, New Japan, Impact Wrestling, uh, PWG, I don't care what anything, WWE, of course, also. And any aspect of WWE, uh, Total Bellas, Mixed Match Challenge, whatever it is, send your questions for the flagship where we broaden our topics from the post-shows here that are focused on uh, Raw and SmackDown fallout. Uh, send those to Wade Keller podcast at PeteWTorch.com. We're uh, recording on Wednesday afternoons, so you want to get those emails in fast for the flagship. If you have emails about tonight's show, though, you can send them in right now if you're listening to us live, and we'll get to them after we talk to our on-site correspondent after we uh, continue our conversation here and talk to callers. Uh, Jason, let's go ahead and grab a call uh, early on here, and then we'll uh, we'll cover some other stuff and uh, yeah, see where the show leads us. Let's go to five eight five first. Five eight five. Thanks for calling. Uh, go ahead and state your name and the city you're calling from.
3: Hi, ladies. David Miller with uh, in Canandaigua, New York. Thanks for calling, David. What's on your mind tonight? Well, speaking of Charlotte and Becky. Uh, I found Becky actually thoroughly unlikable tonight. I I think she's really doing a very good job as a heel, despite the fact that the fans are cheering her. I I think that they – I'm starting to actually change my opinion on this. At first, I thought this might not work at all, but I'm starting to think that they might actually be able to pull this off with a little bit of time and possibly moving away from ending the feud with Charlotte and moving on, which I know that probably won't happen anytime soon. But um, what do you think that they could possibly do to push her over the edge as a full-fledged heel to where the fans would actually start booing her?
2: Jason, I'll throw to you first on that one. The, The fans were chanting, you deserve it, at Becky. At the start of the promo, Becky said, "This is nice, isn't it? This is nice." She didn't acknowledge the fans. She didn't rip on the fans, uh, but the fans are still on her side. By the end of the angle, after Becky and uh, in, in Charlotte brawl, after Becky called Charlotte bitch, then they did. Uh, you know, Becky held up the belt from the stage and looked out at Charlotte, who who finally kind of sat up and looked angry. And and the crowd was, I, I again, it's I sort of feel like it's with Braun and Brock and Roman they're not sure how to react. They're like, they're, they're not, the fans, I mean, they like Becky, but certainly, as David is pointing out, there's, there the way it played out, Becky was a badass, and she made some good points. Like you said, I couldn't win the big one. Well, I did. She was witty. You know, raise my hand. No, wait, put the belt around my waist. No, wait, just call me queen. That played out over two minutes. That was well done. There's a kind of a stone cold edge to her character, but, Clearly, there's things about her that are absolutely heelish, that are not admirable traits. Is there, is, WWE, is there a chance that in less time than it's taken for Roman Reigns to get over as 100% babyface, which still hasn't happened yet, can they stay on course, keep doing this, and take baby steps or even some big steps towards getting fans booing Becky? Or are they just inevitably going to like this attitude and this edge that Becky has?
1: Well, for mine, if they want her to stay heel, okay, to me there's a couple of things they could do. One, they could give her an entourage where she becomes too big for her boots. Maybe she recruits the iconics. We'll, we, we could see what happened with there. The other one, emergency break glass, you bring in Ric Flair. And you have Ric Flair come in and talk about how he viewed Becky as almost like a second daughter. and what he And, and he could see the hurt and the pain in Charlotte's eyes and then she goes off on Ric Flair. So there are a couple of big things that they could do, but I don't know if they want to go down that path. I think they've got a hot character right now. And do you want to stick with a hot character and toe the line, so to speak, You know, give her a bit of an edge and still have the fans cheer for her and she's got that edge? Or do you say, no, we're fully investing – in her as a heel, because if they do that and they go down that path, she sort of loses this bit of a X factor she has right now, because she is a hot character and she's, she's someone that you want to tune in and watch and listen to see what she has to say and what she's going to do. But if she goes full on heel, I think she loses a bit of that.
2: Uh, David, your thoughts, any follow up?
3: Actually, I agree with what he said completely. I was thinking that myself, that possibly uh, doing what they did with Braun Strowman with, uh, with Dolph and, 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 Drew McIntyre is giving her an entourage and the iconics were actually the first ones that came to my mind. So uh, we're on the same wavelength there. Definitely. So, yeah, I think, uh, I think possibly doing that. And uh, as I said, I just, I think, you know, Becky is very good as a heel actually Uh, despite the fact that the, the fans love her and I understand why they've been behind her for a while. And I agree she is really hot. Uh, right now, as far as, uh, you know, her character and the fans are, you know, they're, they're on her, they're, they're still on her side. But uh, I, you know, I kind of got the feeling towards the end of the segment that it wasn't nearly as one sided as it was when the segment begun. Yeah. So um, I, I'm like, uh, yeah, I, I agree. I think they should definitely uh, keep on track with Becky as a heel for now.
2: Thanks, uh,
0: David.
1: ChumbaCasino.com. Jumba. Jumba. No purchases, by
2: law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. website for details. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Jason. Yeah.
1: The thing you have to remember is that for a lot of fans, Becky Lynch represents them in a sense. Like She's been mm-hmm. on this struggle for the past couple of years. So the fans feel justified in cheering for her, and they feel that Becky's actions are justified because ultimately the fans are in the right. And Becky's in the right. So what might be considered objectively bad actions, and what might not be considered to be, um, you know, morally upstanding actions, they feel justified. The fans feel justified, and they feel justified in what Becky's doing. And that's what you have to get over right now.
2: Uh, David, anything else?
3: Uh, just one thing. I, as you said, I, I'm so glad they broke up. <laughs> they broke up the other day. The only bad. The only downside to that is I do not want to see a feud between Rusev and and <laughs> English, really. Um, yeah. Not really looking forward to that, but I'm glad they broke him up still.
2: I, I was worried they were gonna go like find a way to drag it out where somehow uh English would never get to tell Lana what happened and Lana would magically not find out from anybody because she had isolated herself for some reason from social media and next week English would still be chasing her down trying to trying to tell Rusev. Orlando would be chasing down Rusev, trying to say what English said, and it would turn into some ridiculous you know, drama like that. Thankfully, it uh, it did not. Um, and yeah, I mean, English is not a credible opponent for Rusev. And and I think Rusev, frankly, was kind of a jerk to English at the beginning of the turn. You know, I mean, the, the way that he blamed English for the loss, it, it, it came across sort of like, oh God, they're turning Rusev heel again. And then, clearly, English was bad-mouthing Lana in a way that made him the heel. But then, when Lana showed up, Lana was sort of, like, English was almost too believable in apologizing. (laughs) Because I think he comes across as, like, a sincerely nice guy pretending to be bad. So, that backfired, or it, it undercut the effectiveness of the turn a little bit. And then, at the end of their match, Rusev was the idiot who decided, rather than win a match, I'm going to turn my back for an extended period of time and start lecturing Aiden English for cheerleading me from the ring apron. And that led to his loss, which he then blamed on English, even though Rusev was in total control and could have not turned his back. So I just want, if Rusev's going to be the babyface, have him be, like, nicer, um, less of a jerk to the guy who's about to turn heel at the beginning, and, and especially be smarter in the ring. Uh, so... That's my critique of that, but overall I am, Jason, relieved <laughs> that uh, that that at least we have a breakup and Rusev is the babyface, because that is the right way for this to land, because Rusev as a babyface is more important than English being good at either role. Um, but I hope that Rusev dispatches English quickly and decisively and then moves on to be uh, a much-needed top-tier babyface, because that SmackDown roster is so thin on the babyface side. Um you know, depending on Jeff Hardy's situation, they've got Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles, and Rusev might be number three at this point in terms of full-time singles guys who are who are healthy and able to go.
1: Mm, I just feel they didn't really maximize this relationship enough. I feel that they turned Rusev a full-on babyface almost two months too late, maybe yeah, three months yeah, too late. Totally. They should have really jumped on, and Aiden English and Rusev, that could have been big babyfaces, could have possibly won the tag team title. And then the breakup could have meant more. It's just sort of they turned him babyface when when the steam was starting to die down. Now it's all gone. It's To me, it's Rusev got over at the wrong time. Rusev got over as a babyface at the wrong time for them. And the timing to me just, just seemed off.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. And I think Rusev is, if, if he had turned babyface two months ago, this would have meant a lot more. We got dragged through <laughs> an, an overly long storyline with, with uh, Aiden English that took away from it. Is is Rusev uh, redeemable? Is probably the wrong word, but can can if if they clear the path and it's Lana and Rusev and they get rid of Rusev being unreasonably angry at Aiden English for honest mistakes, which yes. is how he's been acting for you know for for two months, um, and move him on to something else and get him matched up against a good heel, maybe Orton. Uh, can Rusev return to that, or is some of the fun in Rusev Day at the beginning? Going against the grain, and as Russ said, become less likable. And now that he's officially a babyface, and he's spent two months, not or give or take, not being particularly likable, does does he actually go go babyface now with a lack of momentum that's going to be hard to hard to regenerate? Maybe, but I do
1: like your idea of him going up against Auden. I that's a fresh matchup, and I like that matchup, and that's. You know, Orton could start targeting Lana in a sense, and then we could see a more serious side of Rusev. He could, you know, still keep with the Rusev day, but perhaps, you know, that's sort of fading out now and get to a more serious character because, yeah, Rusev day was fun and all the rest of it, good merch money, but now he wants to move into more of a serious babyface role. I like that matchup. Rusev versus Randy Orton, the sadistic Randy Orton, and a more serious side of Rusev defending his wife. I think that's the way to go.
2: Yep. All right. So uh let's go back to the phone lines here and let's go to eight one four next. Please state your name and where you're calling from. This is Ryan from Crumbling, Maryland. Hey Brian, thanks for calling again. What's on your mind tonight?
5: I have a question for uh, Jason actually. I was wondering on this uh pay per view in Australia if that's been getting a lot of T V attention like on the news and like other like news like uh say like talk shows, like late night talk shows and like morning talk shows and you know, like a lot of people that are beginning begin to submit
1: personally. Yeah, from what I've heard, I think it will be sixty thousand. That might push towards seventy, which is a great number. Um, look, I've got to be honest; I haven't been paying too much attention to the amount of media. I know that Carmelo and AJ Styles are over here, and I think they're going to really go into full-fledged mode uh, as far as promotion and talk shows, probably in the week leading up to the event. Um, We do have at the MCG our Australian Rules Grand Final the week before, and, you know, that normally gets, you know, 90 odd thousand people there. So there's going to be like a a lot of buzz in Melbourne and then when WWE coming as well. So um, I think there's just going to be overall a lot of buzz in in the city uh, to begin with. And, you know, I think... As we move towards, you know, getting within that final week, we will see promotion really ramp up. But you know, to get sixty to seventy thousand, they're probably hoping they'd like to push towards ninety, perhaps a hundred, but to still get sixty, seventy thousand for this uh, show, I think it's a, a tremendous effort.
2: And any uh, any follow up for us, right, uh, Ryan?
5: Yeah, uh, you know, other thing I can uh, add is what you were talking about before on Becky Lynch. I can sort of see why she gets cheered because on that pay per view match, she won clean in. And- at Summer Slam uh, Charlotte sort of cheated cuz she attacked Becky from behind like hit her finisher also she interrupted her uh, celebration which was sort of hilarious know, since normally you know babyface when you know rain on someone's parade like that
1: I think Becky winning clean makes a lot of sense because it makes Charlotte look like um, she's very humble didn't say losing, very gracious in defeat, I should say. So Charlotte comes out there. She wanted to raise her hand and say, you know what? You were the better woman. There's no excuses, and I'm willing to accept my loss because you were better, and Becky not being humble in victory, I think that definitely makes Becky more of a heel. So I can understand why they had Becky win clean, because it's not necessarily about the result. It's how you're handling the result and how your personality is towards the result. So I think that's what they were aiming for there. But I can see what you're saying because, yeah, I mean, Becky looked like she had the victory and then Charlotte came out of nowhere and stole it from her. And a lot of fans thought that not only did she steal the actual victory at SummerSlam, but she also stole the moment having to only – uh, defeat one person to get into the title match, while Becky's been on this long climb for what seems like to be forever. Uh,
2: Jason, do you think there's a chance that when this all is said and done with the Becky Charlotte feud, that this actually ends up with Becky proving that she was right and Charlotte was trying to steal her spotlight, and that Becky saw through Charlotte? And there, if we look back at each step of this, it'll it, it'll make sense that that you know Becky's snarkiness towards Charlotte and 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 uh criticism of how she was trying to steal the spotlight ends up looking like she was speaking the truth even when Charlotte fans didn't see it so you mean like Stone Cold when he kept complaining
1: when he kept talking about Brett the Hitman Hart Mm complaining and and all he did was come back and cry (laughs) and then when he went into the Hart Foundation he was still complaining about things and the way the American fans were treating him why not yeah, I mean, I think, I think I think they're they're leaving themselves they're leaving that they're leaving enough room open where they can go down that uh, particular story.
2: I do think there's enough room there. I don't think it'd be perfect, but I think they've left themselves room to take that fork in the road if they want to. I I still think ultimately they have something else in mind for Charlotte after Becky that necessitated Charlotte being a baby face at that point. Perhaps because they think Charlotte turning heel should be done against Ronda Rousey. Uh, Or or, or whatever, you know, maybe we'll find out and maybe it will, you know, make sense and we'll see Becky's heel turn as not an ideal choice, but uh, it it turned out okay, especially based on some audibles that they call along the way. I think Becky calling Charlotte out to the ring, you can't blame Charlotte for stealing Becky's spotlight when Becky calls her to the ring um, during her celebration. And I I think if you didn't follow Becky for the last few years and you just started watching SmackDown the last couple weeks, you'd have no reason to cheer Becky. Um, in isolation, Becky is absolutely f- the heel here. Uh, but the totality of it and Charlotte saying Becky can't win the big one, which factually sort of was true for a while. But nevertheless, Becky's seized on that as as a way to motivate herself. Um, that backstory and just Becky's sheer likability and Charlotte being a more natural heel has led to this sort of conundrum that, that we've been in. But
1: Char- I, think, I think Charlotte comes across to me when Becky said to her, I want you to call me queen. I don't know, and that sort of got to Charlotte. To me, that sort of makes Charlotte more of a heel because you know why would you, when you, when you call yourself a queen, that is a very egotistical thing to say. And Becky's calling yes. Charlotte out on that egotistical saying. Now, Becky having Charlotte raise her hand or putting the title around her waist, that is a very um, degrading thing for Charlotte to do. So I can understand why she'd be annoyed about that. But when Becky says, oh, I want you to call me Queen, she's basically calling out Charlotte on her arrogance. So that makes Becky more of a baby face in my
2: view. I, I will say this. If we break break ourselves away from the the, the crit- critiquing the storyline and, and the merits of who should be a heel and a face and all the fans are responding and just look at how Becky and Charlotte are doing, I thought they both did great on this segment in the main event tonight. I thought it was one of yep. Charlotte's better – uh, performances on the microphone. I think Becky and Charlotte play off each other in a way that feels natural, not rehearsed, not regurgitated, not memorized. Um, and, and I thought that Becky is coming across as a star. And mm-hmm. it, 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 she was a star, by the way, before all this. And I did feel at the beginning of this like I was cheated as a viewer out of seeing Becky celebrate as a baby face, triumphantly becoming champion. And having a heel come out, an actual heel come out, and you know, try to undercut it or or you know set up the next feud. I, I think fans of Becky Lynch the last couple years deserve to have Becky win and celebrate with the Becky that they came to love and no, that they came to know and love. That got taken away, and we got a different type of celebration tonight. So that's the caveat, that's the downside. But on the upside, she's been coming across like a big time star. She carries herself really well. That was a long segment, and it just flowed. Um, I thought Becky's timing was really good. She's playing this role really well. So however you feel about the role that she's asked to play and whether WWE is oblivious and trying to cast her as a heel, she's playing the role well with subtlety, Mm -hmm. with good acting. Um, and, and, and I'll take that. I mean, we, we, we're not getting cutesy language that feels like somebody, you know, paced back and forth backstage and memorized it before saying it. Uh, I'm not the big dog or I'm not, I'm not the other dog. I'm the big dog. You know, that kind of thing. Um, what, what did AJ say tonight that was irritating that sounded, uh, uh, scripted at the end of his promo? He had something that he said that I was just like, um, oh, I can't even remember. Oh yeah. You you know the truth. You'll never be safe. Uh. That's what Joe said. No, it was earlier in the night. Never mind. Um, But anyway, we didn't have that. This felt like a natural exchange between two friends who had broken up. Yeah, and Becky,
1: you know what she's got now? She's got swagger. Yeah, She walks in like she owns the women's division. She's got that AJ style swagger. When he was, you know, when when he first – when he became champion and when he started to – like he like he runs SmackDown. SmackDown is his house. Becky's walking around like the women's division. It belongs to her. She has that swagger. And the way that she said bitch, she said it pitch perfect. Yes. Some guys say bitch or some other people say this comes across so forced. Not Becky Lynch. She said it in the right way. She had that look to her. Yeah, she's to she's Like I said, she's she's the hottest thing in WWE right now. I'm telling you.
2: <laughs> All right. We're going to talk about some other topics besides Becky and Charlotte. We got a little into Rusev and in English, too. Um, as the show progresses here, we're going to cut away. We're going to come back and talk to our on-site correspondent, and then we'll like, get to your email. So if you didn't get a call in but you got something to say about what Jason and I were just talking about for the last half hour, please email Wade Keller Podcast at pwtorch.com. We look forward to hearing from our callers next Monday after Raw. You can push one on your touchstone phone when you give us a call to indicate you want to be on the show. And uh, also, don't forget, Jason Powell on the flagship with me. That's our blue logo. So you got to subscribe to our uh, late-week shows, the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcasts, as opposed to the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Shows. This has a red logo. The shows later in the week have the blue logo. So search Wade Keller and check out those shows later this week. We'll be back after this with our on-site correspondent from Tulsa, Oklahoma. All right, we are now joined by our on-site correspondent, Josh, VIP member from uh, Tulsa. Uh, he's also with his wife, Christine, who might chime in with some comments. As we- Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.
4: A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh?
0: Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You could get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus.
2: Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We talked to him about his experience at SmackDown tonight. Josh, welcome to the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Po Show. Thanks, Wade. Appreciate you having me. Absolutely, uh Jason from Australia is still with me. He'll be uh jumping in with some questions for you too let's uh let's first get an idea of what the crowd was like, just in terms of both the uh the size how full was the building and how what kind of enthusiasm and energy did they bring i this was one of those shows where I didn't have a real sense of it from watching on t v It didn't seem like a totally dead crowd, it didn't seem like a crazy energetic crowd seemed middle of the road, but I, I'm curious for your in person perspective
6: you know Wade. I would have to agree it was actually pretty disappointing in terms of pure attendance. The entirety of the upper bowl was tarped off and in the lower bowl, my guess is it was probably two thirds full. It was really pretty poorly attended. And we've been to some events at the BOK center before, which is where it was held even at some Ross and some Smackdowns. And this was one of the more poorly attended. However, I do think the crowd that was there was pretty into it and pretty knowledgeable of the product and so I think the reactions, that's probably why the reactions came across okay, because most people there seem to be pretty into the product.
2: Who were they most into uh, the whole night? I, I feel like, you know, AJ was a clear-cut babyface, Charlotte and Becky, some ambiguity there, uh, Russo, uh, Daniel Bryan, I should say, um, full-fledged babyface. How would you rank the, the wrestlers who just got the biggest star reaction that was positive?
6: Yeah, well, the top three, there was a really a clear top three. It was Daniel Bryan, AJ, and, and Becky. They definitely had the loudest reactions of the night. I would say probably New Day was number four. And then there was another gap, and there was kind of a group. Oscar got a pretty decent reaction. Honestly, Shinsuke got a decent reaction, too. Especially people in my section were really into him, including my wife. And Rusev had a decent reaction, too, but, but definitely AJ of O'Brien and Becky, clear top three.
2: Yeah, okay. Um, I, we've been talking about Becky quite a bit. Let's just go ahead and uh, uh, pick up on that here. She got the uh, You Deserve a Champ at the beginning of the promo. Oh, talk about the pop she got coming out. Talk about the reaction Charlotte got when Becky called her out. And did anything about the exchange that they had, the words they said, the way they said them, and then the physicality, as Jim Ross would say, that ended the segment, um, did, did that Turn the crowd or change the crowd's reception towards either wrestler, as best you could tell.
6: Not at all, Wade. The crowd was fully supportive of Becky the entire time. And as I told you in my email, we stuck around for the Mixed Match Challenge. And it was really interesting because when it was Charlotte coming out to confront Becky, she had a pretty, as WWE would like to say, a uh you know a mixed reaction no no, no no but, but no they don't out... say that
2: josh polarizing <laughs> it's
6: polarizing. polarizing i'm sorry i'm sorry <laughs> <Yes>. polarizing <laughs> reaction but when uh when she came out with aj for the mixed match challenge she was pretty much universally cheered so i think people still want to cheer charlotte they just want to cheer becky more
2: and that's kind of what we noticed tonight i i did pick up on that I, I didn't feel like there was hostility towards charlotte as much as contextually they just are not only liking becky more or just liking becky so much they don't even you know they're just not gonna cheer her opponent no matter who it is um but also maybe fighting against the storyline a little bit and feeling like yeah i was talking to jason about this last segment that maybe fans feel a little, a little cheated out of getting to just cheer the old becky the one that they saw on this journey for the last few years climb back to title contention and win it and then here she is standing in the ring and the fans want to chant you deserve it and celebrate with her and they know the writers and the booking is pushing the opposite direction uh what did you sense in that push pull with the fans and how you talked about maybe it being a a a smart crowd um did they seem to like becky and understand that the booking was trying to push them another direction or were they confused in liking becky how would you characterize the crowd reaction to her
6: No, I think that what I noticed in the crowd is that when Becky, when anything would happen that, you know, Becky would do that was maybe a little bit heelish, the crowd would have kind of the opposite reaction of what WWE would, would want. And so when she would do things that would, you know, not necessarily be a babyface move, the crowd would just pop for that all over again. So, so definitely I agree with your assessment there. And, and to be clear, I don't know that Tulsa is necessarily a smart crowd, but I do think they at least watch the product. And so that was uh, that was interesting to see cuz when we've been before it had not
2: been oh wow it, it
6: had been kind of a crowd that just does what WWE tells them to do but uh they did seem a little more into it tonight.
2: Yeah, sometimes you can get a crowd that looks like they just showed up cuz WWE's in town and I kind of like them and then other people who buy their ticket because they're invested in the storylines and and they want yeah. to express to themselves and be part of that ongoing storyline and so that's interesting that it felt different this time uh jason go ahead with your first question for josh
1: yeah, who got the most hate josh would you say was the miz in the opening segment
6: yeah the miz and i've heard you guys talk about this before and i would totally agree with the assessment that everybody just likes to hate the miz like the miz gets the reaction he's supposed to but it's kind of like everyone's in on the joke so he got some heat um one of the more interesting things to me was the Aiden English segment where he kind of beat down Rusev. I think the crowd was just generally confused because Aiden English was fairly sympathetic and you kind of understood why he would do what he did, but people also like Rusev and Rusev day. And so he didn't get real heat. Samoa Joe got real heat. You know, the acclaimed children's author Samoa Joe, (laughs) he came out and, and, and beat up. Uh, AJ for a little while, and he got some pretty good heat. Um, People really liked AJ and didn't like Samoa Joe kind of stealing the thunder after he'd
1: won the match. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I see what you're saying there about the Miz. You know, people enjoy booing him. You're right. They're they're in on the act. They enjoy booing him. He's not getting a lot of cheers, but it's almost like the boos he's getting are in effect cheers, that they are applauding his performances and it's just amazing you know it was only like a few years ago he was really struggling and now he's one of the now he's one of the hottest acts in, in all of wwe and he's, he's just done a, a tremendous job uh, along with maurice um wanted to ask as far as um just a general buzz in the crowd and what type of uh, merchandise were people wearing like who were they wearing what were you we seeing a lot of shirts for yeah,
6: so I actually paid attention since I knew I was, I was coming on and, and the Daniel Bryan shirts were definitely, there was the most of them, but behind Daniel Bryan, there was a lot of AJ shirts. There was a lot of new day shirts. Uh, I didn't see a whole lot of, you know, bullet club, villain club and, or, or even, you know, the shield or raw shirts. For the most part, uh, I saw those three. We, we saw a couple of Shinsuke shirts, some mm-hmm. Some of K. O. stuff was was out. A lot of people around us were wearing KO stuff and he did end up being in the mixed match challenge, so I guess that worked out well for them. But uh, no, definitely Daniel Bryan and AJ were the top two.
1: Okay. And what about just the overall demographics here We're looking like at a fairly young crowd, a lot of families, you know, what did you pick up?
6: Yeah, there was a good number of families. I would say it was it was a more family heavy crowd than and, you know, all, all cities are different. And in, in Tulsa, I don't think Tulsa really has as much of the, like, millennial wrestling crowd, at least from what we've seen when we go to events and, and local shows. We've been to other places, and the crowd tends to skew a bit, uh, I guess, a bit more millennial in their demographic. But, but in Tulsa, no, there's definitely more families there than anything.
1: And Almas, you know, had a fairly long match with AJ Styles when I believe like a, a couple of segments. Wait, I thought they got in a couple of commercial breaks in there. How was the crowd sort of reacting to him and his offense?
6: So the crowd did did uh, boo him a little bit at first. It wasn't a big reaction, and as the match went on, it really we kind of enjoyed it uh, personally, and it seemed like the crowd was enjoying it. Um, you know, AJ Styles' offense when you see him do it in person mm-hmm. it's kind of different it's it's a uh, he, he just he, he just moves a little bit differently than than the other wrestlers and he is really fun to watch and so anytime he's on offense you get real excited and then when whoever his opponent is in this case almost is able to get him on the ground it it draws natural heat and he did a he did a good job of that and then he has some decent offense of his own so um, i think the crowd was pretty into that match There were some lulls, for sure, probably when it was at a commercial. It's it's sometimes hard to tell. Sometimes you can tell, but sometimes it's a little harder to tell. But overall, I think the crowd was definitely into that match and and had a good time with it.
2: It felt felt like this episode of SmackDown catered to the live audience a little more than what we've seen the last couple weeks with Raw and SmackDown. It it felt like there were fewer plugs for other events, um, fewer video features. We had Randy Orton um going into the production truck uh but there was a there, there in a, you know short little recaps here and there of what happened at hell in a cell which you have to do after a pay-per-view and i get that but it did i've got the sense but you can speak to it much better that you weren't sitting around for long stretches of time without something happening in front of you um it did did it feel like it moved along at a decent pace and there was good content percentage wise
6: I totally agree with that assessment, Wade. It was really a good show. Um, like I said, we've been to several in the area and this was paced well. Uh, I never felt like we were sitting on our hands. And even whenever uh, we were at commercials, you know, Paige came out at one of the commercials and some of the matches that win commercials. You know, Aiden English got on the mic once and, you know, started trying to get the crowd riled up and it was pretty funny. And uh, no, overall, I think the pacing was was really good.
2: Uh, what was the uh, the page when Paige came out what did she talk to the crowd about that wasn't on air
6: when Paige came out she was setting up for the coronation of you know Becky's championship and uh, that's when they announced that the Mixed Match Challenge was going to go on after immediately following Smackdown going off the air oh okay
0: searching for more great pro wrestling talk Then join me, Jason Powell, host of the free weekly Pro Wrestling Boom podcast. Each week, you'll hear the latest news and analysis from me and my team at ProWrestling.net along with other pro wrestling media members. Plus, the Pro Wrestling Boom podcast features long-form interviews with notable names in the pro wrestling industry. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast, and all your favorite secondary apps or visit us directly at PWBoom.com.
1: Once again, that's PWBoom.com.
2: Yep.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, what happened with the Mixed Match Challenge anyway?
6: Yeah, it was, it was pretty fun, actually. You can tell the wrestlers are a little more relaxed in the Mixed Match Challenge. And so the first match was Braun Strowman and Ember Moon against uh, Kevin Owens and Natty. And, of course, Kevin Owens was trying to stay away from Braun Strowman. And it was, it was a fun match. And in the end, uh, Ember Moon actually hit her eclipse off of Braun Strowman's shoulders for the win.
1: So that was a pretty cool spot. So this and just sort of they, works uh, in a... So so who who are the crowd behind then? I mean, this just sort of works yeah. at a separate universe. I mean, yeah. you've got Ember Mood and Braun <laughs> Strowman versus Kevin Owens and Natty. I mean, who were the? I mean, as this get these hands, is Braun now the lovable? You know, what's going on here?
2: Yeah, did Braun act different uh, yes, in this contest?
6: Yes. That's your answer is yes. They wanted they wanted everyone to get these hands. Braun Strowman was clearly clearly the man everybody wanted, and they even built pretty significantly towards a hot tag for Braun Strowman to come in and just clean house. and So it was definitely, I think WWE knew that Braun Strowman was going to be the most over in that match. And he was, and it was, it was a fun match. And then our, the other match we had was actually Charlotte and AJ versus, uh, Naomi and her husband do so, whichever
2: one that is. How, how'd that go? That seems like that'd be uh, an unusual match A.J. and Uso, but also um, athletically, probably really good. It was good, and <laughs> shockingly, it was kind of a comedy match, and I didn't know
6: that A.J. You know, had that in him, but he did, and it was it was fun. It was a fairly long match, and uh, A.J. and Charlotte ended up coming out on top.
1: That's what I'd like to see more often is that the champion taking on someone from a tag team and giving that individual in a tag team an opportunity to shine. AJ wins, but we're reminded about that as individuals, these tag team members, they can really go. I love when they used to do that. We should see it more often.
2: Did did Jimmy seem like he had singles wrestler potential being in that context against somebody the stature of AJ? Or was Mixed Match Challenge the wrong context for it given the tone of the match?
6: No, he did. He actually showed really well, in my opinion. I gained a little bit of new respect for him personally. I used to like them when they, you know, dressed up and danced before their tag team matches. And I haven't totally been sold on their new gimmick. But I kind of gained a new respect for him tonight, seeing him go one-on-one against AJ. You can see that he has some real abilities that you don't always see in the tag scene.
2: Did did, uh, the crowd... In the mixed match challenge, like we hear two 205, five, they get they're kind of disengaged. Obviously, a lot of times the crowds don't know who the wrestlers are in two five live, or don't see them as stars. With SmackDown ending in a pretty heated segment with Becky and Charlotte, what was the emotional investment in the fans, and how many stuck around for those matches?
6: So the crowd was was hot when SmackDown ended, so that worked pretty well for you know Strowman and and Owens, for, you know, and their match. And to be honest, I paid attention and. I think probably 95% of the crowd stuck around. So it's not like we've seen for, you know, 205 Live or Main Event or whatever taped in the past. Uh, everyone stayed. But it helps when Braun Strowman is the first, when he comes out, you know, at nine oh one 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 minute after the show ends, people kind of want to stick around and see that.
2: And was the were the two mixed match challenges the end? That was the end of the show? That was the end, yeah. And did they advertise a dark match that you know of for the show? They did advertise a dark match. It, it didn't happen. Shock. So.
0: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com.
2: No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. What they advertise. Yeah. For? Let me see. I actually I think we printed that out. Let me look here. Because these are the matches that they advertise on TV and radio and print and on websites to right. sell tickets. They, they think if we tell people this match will happen, they will spend money. And then when the people show up, WWE thinks, well, they ordered a hamburger, but we're (laughs) going to give them chicken fingers and a malt, and they'll be happy. So hopefully they won't remember that they ordered a hamburger. That's what they paid for. Because it's all about the experience of having food. (laughs) Right. Yes.
6: (laughs) (laughs) We actually had a very, very special advertised. We had a double dark match advertised with AJ, Daniel Bryan, and Jeff Hardy. Versus Randy Orton, The Miz, and Samoa Joe was the one match. And then there was a triple threat. Charlotte versus Becky Lynch versus Carmella was advertised as our other dark match. Obviously, we got neither of those and we were kind of okay with it.
2: Yeah. I mean, WWE just thinks everyone's going to be okay with it, but I still think there's got to be a better way than just const I mean, eventually people are going to see those matches who go to these shows repeatedly and be like, Why do they tell me there's going to be this match? I'm not going to buy a ticket based on that because I know they're not going to deliver. They should just advertise stars. Well,
6: as avid PW Torch listeners, we obviously knew not to expect to see what (laughs) the dark match advertised was.
2: Yes, yeah. Um, What happened before SmackDown? went on the air? So there was just one match.
6: It was 205 Live. It was the championship match. It was Drew Gulak versus Cedric Alexander. And it actually went long. I mean, it went probably from 6.30 all the way up until probably five minutes or so before SmackDown started. It was it was a fun match. I hadn't seen too much of either of those guys. They were good.
2: So, uh, spoiler alert, how did that go?
6: <laughs> well, Cedric Alexander ended up winning. It was it was weird. The match was good, and we were really getting into it more and more. And uh, Drew Gulak really had the, the better of it towards the end of the match. And then Cedric Alexander, kind of against the run of the momentum, hit one move. And it didn't. I don't even think it was his finisher, but uh, he ended up winning. Uh, but there was some good spots by both guys.
2: So overall, what are you going to remember most six months from now, nine months from now, when you look back at this show? What's the standout moment?
6: So for us, the standout moments were, as it should be, it was the opening segment, Ms. TV. That was a lot of fun. The crowd was really into it, and the closing with Becky Lynch and Charlotte. That was great. I mean, Becky was Becky was great. She has that natural charisma that you just you want to cheer for and like i said the crowd was totally into both segments did kind of what they're supposed to which is more fun than when you feel like you're fighting against the grain
5: Mm -hmm.
2: kind of fun when you can just be there and uh kind of let loose sure thing yep um what'd you pay for your ticket and are you happy with where you sat if you don't mind sharing
6: yeah it's not a problem we paid we got in on one of the pre-sale codes and we paid 65 dollars each for our tickets, and we were on the front row of the lower bowl, um, opposite the hard camera, just one section off center. It was, it oh, was great, nice. kind of had our choice of whether we wanted to, you know, sit or stand. And my wife unfortunately hurt her ankle very bad, so it was real good, real good for her to be able to sit.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Now, does she have anything she wants to add? We kind of said she might uh chime in. Anything that she wants to uh say that you haven't had that you that you did not say that she wants to bring up. I'm putting her on here. All right.
4: Hey, hey, wait! it's Christine.
2: Hey, Christine, good to talk to you.
4: Hey, thank you. We are avid listeners. Josh got me VIP for my birthday this year, and I'm more of a silent fan, but <laughs> I really appreciate all the content you put out.
2: Well, I appreciate it. Uh, do, you, do, you, do you agree? There's got to be something you disagree with, or you got to give Josh a hard time about something that he mess, messed up or forgot or something.
4: I'll, I'll probably do it off the air later, but, um, <laughs> no, I think, I think he, uh, I think he really covered it well. I'm a huge Shinsuke fan and that was a fun match. Um, I don't know. I think we just really enjoyed it. We were here about three years ago for a SmackDown. Um, we kind of did like a bachelorette thing for our wedding and it was such a quiet crowd. So overall it was really enjoyable this evening. I think the crowd got into it and like he said, was fairly educated and, um, had fun with it. So I think it was a good show
2: what's your take uh representing all women of the world on the Becky Charlotte uh storyline and and how Becky's been portrayed in this?
4: Well, goodness, that's that's quite a position to represent all women. I would say that I am just <laughs> fairly moved by the evolution coming up. Truly, I I never think my life will be the same.
2: <laughs> good, good. Thank you, <laughs> Stephanie.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, I I like what they're doing. I love Becky. We've been a big fan of hers for quite some time. Um I I kinda get frustrated and Josh and I have talked about this at length, that it seems the depth of the storylines that they give to women are basically we're best friends, now we're not, so I'm gonna kick your butt in the ring and and that's about the extent of it. Um and I would appreciate it if they got more in depth storylines. I'm not a writer, I couldn't tell you examples of what that would be, but I'm enjoying where they're going with Becky. Um I think Charlotte should definitely turn. I like her as a heel significantly more than as a face, but it's it's a fun storyline so far as far as best friends fighting can be. I mean, it's the Sasha Bailey. It's the even Alexa. Oh, I've forgotten her name. Uh, Nia Jax. Oh, <laughs> I mean, gotcha, okay. It's the feud that they all do with best yeah. friends and then they're fighting and they turn on each other, but I think this one has a little bit more edge to it with Becky um, just kind of getting some of her own and I appreciate that.
2: Excellent. Anything else uh, either of you want to add? Uh,
4: No, it was just a fun show. We appreciate it. Good.
2: Well, thanks so much. We're good. Way. Yeah, appreciate you taking time to talk to us, Josh and Christine. Appreciate it. Keep up the good work. You bet. Thanks very much. Appreciate your VIP membership. No problem.
7: Hey, PW Torch fans, it's Sam Roberts, the last professional broadcaster here to tell you about my podcast, Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, every Thursday morning on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Spotify, on YouTube. NotSam.com, wherever you get podcasts, you will find it. Interviews with the A-list of pro wrestling, whether it's Stone Cold Steve Austin, Shawn Michaels, Roman Reigns, Daniel Bryan, just recently Corey Graves, Mauro Ranallo. They're all guests of Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, as well as regulars like Dan Soder and one of my favorite people to talk about pro wrestling with, Wade Keller. Plus, every week we do a deep dive and analyze what's going on in the world of pro wrestling this week with the state of wrestling. Bruce Pritchard calls it the best interview in wrestling podcasts. I don't know if that's true, but that's what Bruce Pritchard says. Subscribe now. Get it every Thursday morning across podcast platforms or get the premium version at stitcher.com slash not Sam. All right, we are back
2: to uh, answer some mailbag questions. Uh, good on-site correspondents there. Josh and Christine joining us. If you want to be an on-site correspondent for a future episode of the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Show, drop us an email. Drop me an email at wadekellerpodcast at PWtorch.com. Please put the city and date in the subject line. Um, that's I, I search for them and label them and all that, but it, it, with all the emails that we get, it really is uh, helpful if you put the city and date in the subject line. When you send an email and you can also let us know I really want to be on or you know just use me if you need me if no one else volunteers I'm i 'm willing to, but if someone else wants someone else might want to be more because sometimes we get six requests and sometimes we get none uh, rarely it 's none um, but nevertheless uh, if if you 're not an eager volunteer but you 're willing to do your duty on a, on a show maybe we don 't get a lot of volunteers for that can be helpful too um, so it 's uh, Wade Keller podcast at pwtorch.com. com we really like to have that. In on site perspective, hear what happens off TV, talk about crowd reaction, attendance, that kind of thing. So uh, it's a big part of the show, and, and we appreciate everybody who's part of that and invite you to, uh, to join them. Also, if you're shy about being on the show, you can also email us a report as an on site correspondent with your version of what happened. Uh, sometimes our correspondents don't show up early enough to see the, the pre TV matches or stay late enough to watch everything afterwards. And so it's always helpful to get written reports too. You can send those to uh, pwtorch at pwtorch.com. That's our news and results email address. Any news tips, any live results, if you attend any event at all, you can send us a report, who beat who, number of the matches, uh, Talking about uh, the quality of the match, crowd reaction, key moves, what you thought of the match, all that stuff. Send us a correspondent report. We've been doing this since the late 1980s. We have the largest library of uh, live event correspondent reports found anywhere on our uh, PW Torch VIP website, in the back issues of the Pro Wrestling Torch newsletter on our website. And you can be part of chronicling history for us uh, uh, TV events or uh, non-TV house shows. And that's WWE, but everything else too. PWG, ROH, uh, New Japan shows, everything. So uh, the address again is PWTorch at PWTorch.com. Uh, Jason Australia is still with me. Let's get to our uh, mailbag. We have another person who watches... And listens with his wife. It's uh, Mika who says, uh, "My wife and I have been listening for the past year now. We really enjoy your shows. Keep up." This is like, this is we're like, we should sell to advertisers. There's two listeners for every download
1: with this i think so <laughs> you're onto something yeah I, I love hearing these couples A eh? couples that love wrestling together stay together and I, i'm putting it down to miz and maurice i think they are inspiring people to show their love towards each other towards wrestling i, I think it's great
2: you know we, we get a list of potential advertisers sometimes and like we have you know bio clarity skincare for instance as an option or ritual makeup or Scentbird, or third love women's underwear or lola women's products oh, um all the all these potential sponsors and we kind of have to scratch them off the list because demographically we're certainly skew male and all that well now i'm starting to think we should rethink this and i should tell our advertising department uh, maybe throw some of these women's ads in; they might perform well
1: no, but but wait you also got to think right the men need to buy products for their women i know yes you got to think about that angle too. So if they hear these ads, like, oh, I don't know to get her and all the rest. I oh, know I'm like that. I don't know what to get. Her. As soon as I go into a shop, I want to leave straight away. But if I hear these things, like, what's that thing that I heard on Wade's show? Oh, that one. That sounds good. Oh, okay, there we go.
2: Yeah, yeah, good, good idea, good idea. So uh, back to me here it goes. Uh, we really enjoy your shows. Keep up great content. My thought and or question is regarding the Becky and Charlotte segment tonight. I've been a huge fan of both of both of them over the years. I tend to lean more towards Charlotte. After watching tonight's show, it left me feeling bad for Charlotte. She didn't do anything. Could this have all been avoided if they would have let Becky win the belt at SummerSlam in the first place? Charlotte didn't need the belt, but it sets up a decent feud between them. It's as if people cheer who they want to be champion regardless of them being babyface or heels. Charlotte has Mm -hmm. a better heel, and I've heard multiple people say that. What are your thoughts on this whole situation? Also, SmackDown had a lot better flow than Raw did last night regarding all the press, regarding the 18,000 shows you need to watch on the network. Um, mm-hmm. I agree. Josh agreed with us on that one. Uh, uh, Jason, uh, so c- you can comment on the Becky Charlotte thing, but also um, comment on, on the flow of Raw lately compared to what we saw tonight on SmackDown. And if you're on board with the idea being that it's just been too much coming at us with all these events.
1: Look, I have to say I'm not on board with that. I find it pretty easy to follow. Like I like to think that I can handle multiple things being promoted at me at the same time. Having said that, I can understand from um, someone from your point of view, and you're looking at it, how to promote and how you want to maximize the message that's going out. I can see definitely both sides of the coin. Um, But for me, you know, I can understand. Yeah, they've got the super showdown. They've got the Saudi Arabia show coming up. The women's evolution one, to me, that's sort of taken a little bit backward step. Do you feel that?
2: It told, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was such a focus and it was so far in advance the focus. And mm. I was like, Well, m- once we get past telling a sell, then they'll make it the focus. It you know, they it won't it won't be kind of seeming like it's kind of getting in the way. And now the Saudi Arabia show is totally bigfooting it. Um thanks to you, Jason, the super showdown is also uh taking away some of some of the steam. So yeah, sure. I mean I, I I again that's part of it is like you have, you know, the, the uh, Total Bellas, uh, Mixed Match Challenge. Uh, the um, They've been promoting Miz TV in recent weeks, but obviously that's been replaced with uh, Total Bellas now. And then you have the new hot Wednesday night lineup with 205 Live, NXT, and the Mae Young Classic. And then you have Saudi Arabia being promoted at the same time as a Super Show, both of them in non-traditional, non-pay-per-view Sunday night slots. And Evolution is kind of getting forgotten about in the mix of all of this. And it does seem unfortunate because... I do think Saudi Arabia is going to bigfoot it um the whole way.
1: Yeah, and that's uh that's not a good look on numerous accounts.
2: No, yeah. Um exactly. It's it's it it couldn't be a worse situation to have that show end up uh stealing the thunder from uh from Evolution. So but uh,
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. yeah. As far as well, as far as uh it talking about Charlotte, I can understand. And you know what? I From a character point of view, you do feel sorry for Charlotte because all she did, I mean, it's not like she she didn't cheat in any way. She's only taking advantage of the opportunity that was given to her, and she did win a SummerSlam fair and square. It's just that Becky Lynch has all this history behind her and fans wanting her to win the championship. Um, Charlotte's suffering because of that. But like you mentioned, Wade, they are leaving themselves an open where if Charlotte does turn heel, she has a lot of ammunition behind her. A lot of ammunition behind her to turn on the fans and feel like that she's the yes. one that's been wronged in this situation. It's going to turn her into a hot heel and then it could turn Becky into a hot babyface. She
2: she can use Becky's yep. script from 3 weeks ago. Done.
1: Exactly. <laughs> just just turn it around. Yep. And and the and she's going to feel she's going to feel more than justified in her actions if she embraces a full on heel turn. I mean, it's going to be a very interesting way that, you know, leading up to WrestleMania 35. From what we've been hearing, that that they're thinking about. I mean, is this what you're hearing? They're thinking. They're still thinking about, you know, Charlotte versus Ronda Rousey. Is there a strong chance that that would be the last match at WrestleMania? Yeah, I still think that's a possibility. So where does Becky Lynch fit in with that? Does she become such
2: a hot character? I know. Is Is she on the Daniel Bryan trajectory? That's what I was thinking. Yep, Daniel Bryan getting in the way of more important things.
1: Randy Orton and Batista is going to be the hottest <laughs> WrestleMania main event of all time.
2: You know what? Maybe. Well, speaking of which, maybe uh, Becky gets inserted into that match, and it's Charlotte, Becky, and Ronda. I'm not voting for it because I, I want one-on-one, but, um, yeah. you know, maybe. I, I think is more over than Orton and Batista were at that time, and I think that's mm-hmm. a fresher matchup, so we probably won't run into the, quite the pushback and rejection that we did at that time. Uh, Brian from Peoria has been a big fan of Becky and a proponent uh, of her um, – you know, b- remaining a babyface and not getting screwed up by, by booking. Um, he sarcastically sent in this earlier tonight. I'm setting this ahead of SmackDown because I'll be unable to watch it live. All I have to say is this. Uh-oh, Becky's having a championship coronation ceremony tonight. They, that kind of thing screams cocky heel champion, rubs it in everyone's face saying, I told you so, doesn't it? Holding an extravagant celebration about yourself doesn't sound like something a babyface would do, does it? Thanks for everything you do. Go VIP. So um, yeah, I mean this this again. The framing of Becky is not as a baby face. Um, They're framing her as a heel. They're putting her in the spots that heels get put in. And I do not buy that they're on some course that's intentional from the on, out, onset. Uh, from the. Uh, from from the beginning, <laughs> to have Becky yeah. uh, be the Stone Cold Becky character. And they get to retroactively say, yep, we knew what we were doing. We knew this would make her more popular. You all had to just be patient. Um, I, I won't buy it if that's what they end up claiming, no matter how this turns out. Exactly.
1: The the plan from the beginning was to turn Becky Lynch babyface. But I will buy that they are thinking, how do we now handle this? What do we do? Yeah. They, they Surely they can't ignore it.
2: Yes. All right, Todd, Zach in Texas, to summarize SmackDown, uh, Maurice, and not a moment too soon, goodbye to her. Shout out to Corey Graves for the Outback Jack and Kimchi references. AJ and Andrade put on a freaking clinic, but the star of the show was Becky Lynch. I don't think alignment matters anymore. Becky Lynch is at another level right now. She had that crowd the whole way, I want you to call me queen. My God, what a line. By the way, the crowd popped when she called Charlotte a bitch. You can't manufacture that. SmackDown lucked into the best badass Becky ever. Oh, she needs to keep that other jacket. It compliments her new attitude. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, the emails, majority of the emails coming in by far each week on SmackDown. They are about Becky. There is something there. And as you said, Jason, she might be the literally the hottest act in WWE today.
1: Ah see I, you, i've you, I've <laughs> won you over. So I did use it at the right time earlier in the show. See? I knew it. now as far as as far as what the email is talking about in fans in general, I think Wade, what we all want is we want cool characters. We want cool, hot characters. It's been a while since we sort of had that. You know, you just want to just want to cheer someone and get behind someone who's cool, who's got a bit of an edge to them. Because in this PC world and this PG era, it's very, very hard to come across that. Becky Lynch is representing that right now. She has the attitude, she has everything going for her. That's what fans want to see. Ultimately, in this situation, not about heel or face, we want someone with a bit of an edge.
2: But her edge comes from being a fiery redhead who doesn't have the blonde hair and the exact contours of what Vince McMahon and Kevin Dunn believe all male fans watching want to see exclusively as the lead baby faces and heels in their company. And she has a chip on her shoulder from that, and that is that is what fans also identify with her. The men and the women. Mm-hmm. They see her as not kind of like Daniel Bryan, not fitting the stereo or CM Punk, not fitting the stereotype of what Vince McMahon perceives as a true top act in the division. And that's not something that Vince is capable of embracing or even possibly recognizing. So it's just on a wavelength that Vince's brain d- doesn't register. And that's the problem. That's the frustrating part. So Becky didn't need to have this edge. She, she Fans loved her before it. Now that she has it, I still don't know that Vince is going to get it. I don't know that he's going to understand where the edge comes from be- because to understand that edge would be to acknowledge his own narrow-minded perspective on what a woman, a, a top female woman should look like. And it is a replay of five years ago with Daniel Bryan. It was five years ago this week that the authority were, were demeaning and berating Daniel Bryan for not looking the part.
1: But it does put him in a bit of a Catch-22 situation because say he does acknowledge the edge and then they get behind it in a certain corporate WWE way then Becky Lynch loses the edge that she has with the fans. They're sort of like in this weird situation here where if she continues on the path that she does, the fans you reckon are still going to be behind her and you almost want WWE to not get behind her. So it's, it's a very weird dynamic.
2: Yeah, yeah. All right, Paul L. Ridge, New York. So Charlotte has always shown Becky respect. Does WWE really expect us to forget Charlotte's time on Raw when Charlotte was a heel and had her dad and Dana help helping her win? I knew there was a reason I still supported Becky and Helena in a Cell, and tonight it clicked. Charlotte has never shown any remorse for her old heelish actions in the past. All that made her a face was coming to SmackDown and getting attacked by wel- the welcoming committee. So thinking about that, this is just Becky getting even with Charlotte and doing this to Charlotte before Charlotte did it to her. Now, oh, okay, so um, that that's going back in the time machine more than I think Vince McMahon's memory does, uh, Jason. I, I don't think Vince mm. includes not not. Sometimes he pulls from the past, but I don't think as a rule he thinks that is stuff that fans are thinking about as Paul is thinking about it. And in a lot of cases, I don't know that Vince even remembers that far back these days. I think he's so go 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 with all the content that he he's willing to look back three weeks to three months, and that's about it for most storylines.
1: Oh, I agree, definitely.
2: So he says, now I have to ask, did they think Aiden attacking Rusev would get him cheered? Rusev came off a little bad at first, so I thought they would turn him because who cares what the fans want, right? Rusev did seem to forget that on Sunday, Aiden went for a tag, and Rusev attacked Biggie instead, which allowed Kofi to get the pin. Did WWE writers not expect us to remember stuff like that? Paul L. from Ridge, New York. Um, yes.
1: See, I mean, you know, the answer, you know the answer to this is why, and I hate this answer, you're thinking about it too much. You know, I hate when I hear that because you sometimes hear that as a defense. Fans are not thinking about it too much. They're the ones that are thinking about it too much because they're the ones that have 20 writers. If it wasn't that much to think about, why do you need 20 different writers and all the rest of it? You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, but I think you want – when Rusev is complaining about Aiden English, you want fans emotionally to tap into into a thought that they had Sunday, which is, yeah, Rusev, he's right. Aiden keeps screwing up, and if I was Rusev – I'd, I'd cut him loose, too. You know, he's not good for him. I don't think that's how fans feel about Aiden English. Inter- What's been happening with Aiden English hasn't been that clear cut. They're, you're sympathetic to Aiden because he's this over-eager, over trying-to-please uh, a friend of, of Rusev who ha- doesn't have a sinister, mean bone in his body the way that things have been portrayed. And yes, he ex- he expressed frustration and was harsh about Lana, and that was supposed to be his heel turn. But then he was like, you could, it felt, he felt super apologetic afterwards. Like, oh, God, I shouldn't have said that. That was going too far. Like, you're like, oh, okay, well, he's apologizing. People make mistakes. And I, I think fans were ready to accept Aiden's apology, and Lana wasn't. Like, I just think they've got to get in tune with what resonates with fans when they're watching and what their gut emotional reaction is. And I don't think the way Aiden's been booked, including Sunday, is, is a case where fans are going, oh, God, russo has got to cut this guy loose. He just keeps getting in the way.
1: mm And, you know, the thing is, Lana didn't come across particularly sympathetic to me. Anyone that says, oh, I'm going to tell on you, straight away I'm like, don't like you. (laughs) You Who who wants to like someone? Oh, I'm going to go and tell Rusev now. Like like she's dobbing on someone at school or something, you know?
2: Especially with her past. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Paul also adds, watching Mixed Match Challenge made me realize that after having Renee become the newest rock commentator, she won't be allowed to call the Saudi show. It's going to be interesting to see, isn't it?
1: going to be interesting to hear. That's well, a good
2: point, though. Yeah.
1: I mean – Might be allowed to.
2: Or maybe that will be something WWE insists on. And, of course, they won't insist on anything because they're getting paid to shut their mouth and, uh, and and give them what they want and take the money. It's all, uh, about, the
1: stock. It's all about the stockholders.
2: Yes. And uh, stock bonuses and all that kind of stuff. All right. Um, just a few minute gripes lately. Why do they insist on having the champion come out first? I don't know why it grinds my gears so much, but it makes me scream, alarming my cats. <laughs> the picture in picture commercials. Why do they only use it once or twice a show? Why not do it all the time? At one point, we got it during the AJ match, but only once. The second commercial break didn't have picture in picture. It's just weird. Finally, we went from screaming Japanese before destroying her opponents to Naomi's goofy sidekick. Do you think Asuka will ever be an ass-kicker again? Love the show a ton. Jesse from Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, Thank you, Jesse. Um... They have their reasons for sending out, you know, the champ first sometimes and the challenger first sometimes and it has to do with whether at, whether they're at a commercial and if somebody was on TV earlier with the ring entrance, then they want then their entrance is going to be off TV cuz they figure it's not as important. So that's one rationalization. Sometimes it has to do with a sneak attack. I mean, there's all kinds of reasons. I I would prefer they just work they have a heart they have a hard and fast rule and just work around it and have the challenger always come out first. Um that should be, you know, that should be the way it is. Uh, but they have their reasons. And if you pay attention to kind of the details and think it through, usually you can come up with the rationale for why they flip it around. You know, I don't know what percentage of the time it is, but probably 30%, 40% of the time it seems like they flip it around. Um, the picture-in-picture picture is is something where it's sort of a TV experiment. It's not something that they—all that all advertisers aren't sold on it. So if they did it all the time, some advertisers might shy away from being on SmackDown because they want— um, the audience all of themselves, the argument is, well, more people are paying attention if they're if they're lured into sticking around instead of getting up during the commercial break or fast-forwarding. So they're more likely to see the commercial. So I think the strategy is do a little bit of both, and then you kind of have the best of both worlds. Um, so, Jason, anything on, on those two comments or Oscar? Well,
1: we don't get the picture-in-picture picture here in Australia. When they go to a break, obviously because we've got our own ads and promos to play – in our country, so we don't get to see that. So what you're saying is that when they go to a commercial break, like a commercial appears in the bottom of the screen or whatnot?
2: Twice per show, um, yeah, they they, they they cut to a commercial. Um, they say the action continues and, you know, do that thing. And then, yeah, they go to a split screen where the commercial takes up about 60% of the screen. And then the action you can kind of keep an eye on, on a smaller picture and picture to the left or right. Um, okay. But the sound airs, there's no commentary. The sound for the commercial airs. Yeah.
1: See, I can understand that from an advertising point of view because people just want to skip through ads. What I could never understand is why, back in the day, they would—back well, in the day, but you know, even a couple of years ago—they would promote to go to their app for the second screen experience, yeah. blatantly telling people, "Don't pay attention to our advertisers; stick with
2: the action." I never understood that. I, I think the argument, and obviously it didn't last, uh, was that if people are looking at their second screen, they're still in front of their TV. The volume is on. They're not fast-forwarding. They may be watching live instead of watching it on DVR because they want that second-screen experience. They're not getting up to let the dog out. And so even if they're looking at the iPad, that commercial is still on, and it's still resonating a little bit compared to if they fast-forward or get up and walk away. So that was the argument, but nobody was doing it until they dropped it. Mm
1: what i don't like about this whole different screens and whatnot is what they do at the pay-per-view is when they decide to go for a full screen replay of a particular move you should never ever take away from the action i can understand going to a replay where the replay screen comes up at the bottom of the screen like they sometimes do but sometimes they'll do a full screen replay and you know nothing's happening in the background and then once that full screen replay is finished Oh, all of a sudden, magically, the wrestlers are starting to get up. That really takes me out of the moment.
2: What took me out of the moment tonight is when Samoa Joe went into the crowd and there was already a camera in the crowd before Joe decided to leap over the ringside barrier to escape AJ. It's just so stupid. Don't do that, WWE. It it makes everything seem orchestrated. That totally took me out of the moment. Why is a camera guy there, ready, like filming even before Joe even had the thought in his head? to jump over the barricade uh, and escape AJ. It's just that the the camera angle isn't more important than keeping that suspension of disbelief that, that immersive uh, the cameras are just chasing the wrestlers around as the wrestlers are doing things that they can't anticipate. That's the, that's the, the, the uh, sense of chaos and energy and, and anything can happen vibe that you want. And as soon as you cut to a shot from a place where a camera wouldn't normally be, and it's two seconds or three or four seconds before a wrestler even makes a move towards that spot, it's just it, it it just killed the moment. It killed the moment. What did you think of the Randy Orton segment? I think it should have been done better. I, I get what they were saying. Um, you know, oh, there's a commotion. We need to go to the truck. They needed t- to show that Randy had broken in or shoved somebody aside. Because when you say, "Oh, uh, there's a commotion in the truck," and Randy casually and slowly and quietly walks up to a guy doing his job and gives him a shoulder rub, that's not a commotion. Um, no, obviously Randy got, you know, threatening and, and, and hurt the guy a little bit, squeezing too hard and all that. But I just think it was poorly executed.
1: Yeah. They could have had him already holding the guy. You know what I mean? It's like they cut to it three to four seconds too early. Yeah. Yeah. Or they could have, you know, they could have had, they could have had like a backward shot of him walking up to the guy or something. You're right. I mean, they, these are little things they think that people are thinking too hard about, or it's just resting, or you're thinking about it too much, but You know, as we've evolved with TV, there's a lot of nuance that has been taken care of, which makes people not think about these things. And WWE, they may have gotten away with these techniques, say, 15, 20 years ago. But what we want to see in a TV show, our tastes and our expectations of crossing the T's and dotting the I's, they've evolved, too. We expect to see much tighter formatting and these things taken care of. And they have to live up to that standard.
2: Yes, um, and, 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 you know, it's not about thinking about too, thinking too much about it. If you think about it, it's WWE's fault. Like, that's my stance. I'm not thinking about that stuff until they do something stupid and they make me think about it. Like, mm. you know, like the, the, the EMTs coming to, to Maurice's eight, they're, they were overacting so much like, Oh, 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 are, are you breathing? Oh, let's get help. It was like, they were hyperventilating. Like, EMTs don't act that way. They don't, and Maurice didn't get, the, nope, the, the, the lighting grid didn't fall on her head from 100 feet above and she was bleeding. It's like, she got bumped into. She's a wrestler. Let's chill the F out, everybody. Stop overacting and stealing the scene. If you're an EMT, do your job dispassionately and let Miz steal the scene with his acting. So again, there's some craftsmanship issues with WWE lately, and when you notice that stuff, It's not overthinking. It's WWE's fault for triggering your thoughts about something that should go with, should should just be in the flow that you're not thinking about at all. And, you know, the thing is, Wade, I think we all have a threshold
1: and suspension of disbelief. Like, there's some things that would annoy you that wouldn't annoy other people. And likewise, but I think these are one of these things from a from a you know production technique point of view that they could definitely tighten up. I will say regarding Misses Maurice, I love the little things that they're doing. They just crack me up. Like she was walking to the ring tonight, and she did this little wiggle, and Miss did it back to her. I thought that was so funny. And even last night. When um, they're closing off their promo, Miz goes, oh, you're the best. And she goes, yeah, I know. I just, I just think they're on, they're, they're on a different level right now. I reckon that they're, they're so entertaining to watch. And I'm actually not liking the fact that she's, um, that she's going away. I, I think she's added so much to his act and they're so entertaining.
2: Yeah. I, I noted earlier uh, that I thought AJ said something that felt overwritten. It was actually um, – Daniel Bryan who in one of his pro, one of his promos uh said something that felt scripted uh and unnatural um I'm still trying to remember what that was but um it, it wasn't AJ this time it was something uh that, that Bryan said oh um it was when he said I'll um at Super Showdown it'll be one on one I'll punch Miss... Yeah, mano mano. I'll punch Miz in the face and then punch my ticket to a championship match. Like, there's no wrestler who's in a rage after you know backstage after this heated fight with Miz, and he's going to start to be clever with his language. After I punch your face, I'm going to punch my ticket to a championship match. It's like maybe one or two wrestlers on the show have have time to like be clever and thoughtful and play on words, but writers shouldn't write like a writer who has all day to think about clever lines. They should write for the wrestlers with the idea being, it's a wrestler who just had to fight for the honor of his wife, was in a brawl, and now he's backstage, and the last thing on his mind is trying to be clever. Like that's not it's not Brian's thing. If if you want uh if you want uh, Drake Maverick to be clever when he cuts an AOP promo, he's got all day to think about being clever and he's like his gimmick is maybe he's clever with his words. But Daniel Bryan no. Resist it writers. Resist the temptation to write in a way that sounds like you had all day to think about something clever to say. I'm not the underdog. I'm the big dog. Oh, what a coincidence that Roman was asked about whether he's the underdog. Stop trying to be overly clever and let people talk in a way that feels authentic. It draws people more into the show. They connect more with the characters. It's not a writing competition to get high scores on cleverness. You're supposed to write in the voice of the athletes who are trying to think about how to win fights, not win uh, points for cleverness, so...
1: Right. But maybe it is, maybe internally it is a competition. Maybe you have to write like that. I've got three words for you, Wade WWE Universe opportunity. <laughs> yes. If yes. I never hear those words again, I'll be very, in that same context, I'd be very, very happy. Every time they say WWE Universe in a promo, I automatically tune out. I do not want yep. to know what they've got to say. I don't want to know anymore.
2: Well, Tom Phelps when,
1: yeah, when, I joe,
2: when joe ran into the crowd and tom phillips like joe just uh ran into the wwe universe it's like oh god really i mean it was bad enough the camera was waiting for him even before he, he decided to go there and now you're going to use wwe speak by the way becky called it a title she said winning this title this title wrap this title around my she didn't say championship and i was like oh no
1: what's gonna happen now i know oh, she's gonna get she's not gonna, but, go, she's not gonna pop it she's gonna lose the title she's,
2: and, um, and I'm glad no. she didn't draw attention to it. Like, Sian I always goes, I know I'm not supposed to say this, but I'm a wrestler. You know, it's like, okay, just say it. You know, don't say you're not supposed to say it. Um, I mean, it was fine. But I like that Becky just did it because she was in the moment. She wasn't thinking about what exact words were written down by somebody that she memorized and I was reciting. She was just in the moment, talking like a person would talk if what was happening. And that's one of the reasons the Charlotte Becky segment felt more authentic than, than, than most WWE segments. And you know Are, the other thing they do, and I yeah. know
1: you can't do this often. They sort of talked over one another, and that's more of a natural thing to do. Yes. I hate it when they wait for each other to finish. People talk over each other. It's just a natural thing you
2: do. People like sometimes, to interject, Jason. People like to interject. See what I did there?
1: They, they like to do it all the – exactly the way. Yeah, they like yeah. to do it all the time. See? Yeah, well done. <laughs> but people also sometimes arm um and arm ah and whatever. I would, I would take passion over precision any day of the week yes. and authenticity. Authenticity and passion over precision and making sure you enunciate every word correctly. I just want to see passion and authenticity. I totally
2: and completely agree with you, Jason. <laughs> uh, all right. Jason, if you can stick around a few more minutes, I want to do a little VIP after show with you. Uh, i got another email or two I want to get to and uh, another topic or two, but we'll uh, make that a VIP exclusive segment as a way of thanks for our VIP members. If you're not a VIP member, you can get these shows. The Wade Keller Processing post shows and podcasts, all four episodes during the week, with the ads and commercials and plugs edited out. You also get all seven weekly PW Torch livecasts on a special VIP audio feed with the ads and plugs removed, along with some VIP extras, some VIP exclusive after shows. Plus, let's just get started. You get uh, access to the Bruce Mitchell audio show that I host with Torch senior columnist Bruce Mitchell. Uh, Usually three times per week. Every once in a while, Bruce has a guest host to keep things fresh and uh, shake things up a little bit. And then The Fix with Todd Martin. Every midweek, Todd Martin joins me for usually a couple hours, sometimes more, rarely less. And we cover uh, New Japan, UFC, uh, WWE... ROH, everything, whole spectrum of things, and a very popular weekly mailbag segment with Todd. Plus, our post pay per view roundtables that are VIP exclusive. I host with Bruce Mitchell and Todd Martin after WWE pay per views. As soon as a pay per view ends, we spend about an hour dissecting the show and expressing our points of view. Sometimes they differ, sometimes they're synced up, and it's maybe our most popular feature with uh, PW Torch VIP membership. And uh, so much more. So many other VIP-exclusive shows, including Every Thursday Night, a retro radio show from the 1990s featuring John Arezzi's Pro Wrestling Spotlight based out in New York. Shows that haven't been heard since they aired on the radio uh, going on uh, 25 years ago. More than 25 years ago. Uh, Plus, uh, over 1,500 back issues of the Pro Wrestling Torch newsletter and so much more. Add free access to our website. Go check out a full list of details and benefits and become a VIP member. I invite you to do so. We'd love to have your business and earn your business. Check out details And our sign-up form at pwtorchvipinfo.com. That's pwtorchvipinfo.com. That'll tell you everything you need to know. And uh, there's also testimonials up there and a link to the sign-up form. All right. So, uh, Jason, uh, we'll have you uh, stand by here. We'll wrap up this part of the show. And then we'll do, I don't know, uh, 10, 15 minutes of a VIP extra for our VIP members. So, Sounds good.
1: Look, like I said, I'm I'm looking forward to the Super Showdown. I'll be um you know I'll be able to give you a call later on and you know give you a report on how it all went and whatnot. Yeah. But um I think I think it's shaping up nicely. There's it's definitely some matches on there that have a bit on offer and there are some you know relevant consequences. So um, I think it's going to be a great spectacle. You're going to know what it's what it's going to feel like to watch these events at an ungodly hour. So always like that when we complete the script (laughs) once or twice every couple of years. So and I I think I think for you know fans in the United States, I think it's a bit of a novelty. You know, waking up at a certain time to watch the WWE pay per
2: view. I think that's a bit of a novelty, and I think it's quite cool. (laughs) Very good, Jason. Thank you so much. Always a pleasure having you on. We'll uh, we'll certainly be in touch then.
1: Thanks, Wyatt. You Thanks for us
2: And VIP uh, members, stay tuned because we got another 10 15 minutes coming up in just five seconds or so. Please keep us in mind when you're about to shop at Amazon. Start at pwtorch.com slash Amazon. That's pwtorch.com slash Amazon. Click on the Amazon logo on that page, and it takes you right to the Amazon homepage. But that two-second detour by starting at pwtorch.com slash Amazon means we get a commission on whatever you buy on that shopping trip. So every single time you're going to shop at Amazon, don't type in AMAZ. Stop right there and go to pwtorch.com slash Amazon.